On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I am bringing you Nancy Levin, who is not only a life coach, not only has written some badass books, but she has such a beautiful heart and a magnetic spirit, I will tell you. You're going to fall right in love with this woman and feel her energy come through your ears. If you're watching this on YouTube, hopefully you'll see the beautiful smile that she has. But she also has so much wisdom to offer all of us. So I met Nancy at a Hay House conference a few months back, and we started talking about some of the books that she had written. And one of them was called The Art of Change, and the other one is called Boundaries Will Set You Free. Two principles that I know for me, I need to learn better. And I know many of you are experiencing and stepping into this redesign of yourself, into this new version of yourself, and are looking to set better boundaries, are looking how to navigate change. And so I wanted to bring her to all of you to talk about how we do that. So in this conversation, what you're going to hear is her story, and it's jaw-dropping. Her transformation story is should be inspiration to us all, and I'm so grateful for her authenticity in sharing this. But what I really also wanted to pull out of her was not only inspiring us, but how do we take what she learned in her own transformation and start to apply it to our lives? Are there steps to change? Are there steps to setting boundaries? How do we know where the truth of our own life lies? How do we create a vision for our life? These are questions that we deeply discuss in this episode. So wherever you sit in your life, I hope that Nancy's words will help become a catalyst for you to become not only the best version of yourself, but to create a life that you deserve to live in. So Nancy Levin, this is a real treat, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. So as always, enjoy. Hey, Dr. Mindy here, and welcome to season four of the Resetter Podcast. Please know that this podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again. If you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy. Hey, Resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. 
So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. I have to start off outside of the fact that I'm pretty sure we would have this conversation if we were sitting down to a meal together. Um, but outside of that, I just want to welcome you to my to my other home, the Resetter Podcast. I'm so happy you're here, Nancy. I am thrilled to be here with you. So before I dive in, I have to tell you, because the topic we're going to talk for everybody that's listening that I really want to dive into your brain on today is change. And I want to tell you that I was thinking about this this morning, how I like to change is I like to get little intuitive hits that I should change, and I like to resist them, and I like <laughs> to ignore them, and I like to wait until those little whispers turn into massive screams, and then I change kicking and screaming like a little toddler, and then I get on the other side of change, and I go, oh, that was so great. I should have done that earlier. Is that yeah. how most people approach change? Yes. Most people wait for a crisis. Most people wait for something heavy enough to force them to change. And I'm a big proponent now of rock your own foundation before it rocks you. Because That's when scary, we- scary though. That's so scary. It, it can be. It also can be really uh, freeing, empowering, liberating, mm. and- Ultimately, it's the way we take responsibility for our own lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, to dive into that a little bit more, because the other thing that I, in, in the conversations I've had with you that I really mm -hmm. want everybody listening to understand is you went, not only went through a massive change in your life, which in my opinion, your massive change makes you an expert, but you had some, I think you called it the A-team of spiritual masters guiding you <laughs> through this change. So that makes you even more of an expert. So talk a little bit about that because it's sure. pretty impressive how you were guided through change. It is. I mean, I, I look back on it and I am in awe of the, the gift I was given by the people I surrounded myself with. Mm. And so the massive change you're referring to is really ultimately me blowing up my marriage, mm. which came in the form of my then husband reading my journals Ooh. to discover that I'd had an affair eight years earlier. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't have a journal either. <laughs> So the day after the discovery, I destroyed over 70 volumes of my personal <gasps> journal. Yeah. Oh, and my God. You burned the house down. Pretty much. And the way that this all occurred was that I was the event director at Hay House at the time, a position I would hold for 12 years. And I was on my way home from one of our events that I had been producing and I had heard, I had seen, actually, as I had gone through security, a voicemail had come in, and I listened to the voicemail. And all I heard was, I read your journals. You better get your ass home. There's <gasps> hell to pay. And so I got myself home somehow, and I found myself in my condo with him holding up pages of my journal saying, I'm going to copy pages and send them to your friends, your coworkers, your family, so that Whoa. they can know who the real Nancy is. Because Whoa. I had expended all my energy living by the motto, never let them see you sweat. I had been projecting and image of perfection to the world. I had been managing the perception of others. I only wanted to be seen through the lens I wanted to be seen through. Mm -hmm. And while my marriage had been crumbling behind the scenes, it was certainly never anything I wanted anyone to know. I didn't want wow. anyone to know that I was in an abusive marriage. I didn't mm -hmm. want anyone to know the truth. And really, quite frankly, I didn't want to know the truth. And what happens is when we avoid the truth, we create chaos. Ooh. And so I know that the part of me that wrote in my journal about the affair 
was setting a bomb to detonate eight years later because I didn't know how to get out at that time. Okay, I have so many questions before you go on. Okay, so the, the first one is, how do we know what the truth is? I mean, this is literally something I've sat with in my own yeah. life. Like, where is the truth? Where is the truth on many different places? Yeah. I don't know how you access that other than keep asking yourself questions. So so I'd be curious your opinion on that. Yeah. And so what I've come to believe is that the truth is a moving target sometimes. Mm. So there's a... There's a line in a poem that I wrote that says, a remembered truth is a dead thing. And Mm. I think about that a lot because what might be true today may or may not be true tomorrow. I have to make the inquiry again. And Mm. I do think that that's how we discover what is true. We need to be in a self-connective practice, whether it's Mm. journaling or meditating or whatever it might be that has us in connection with what's true for us and to remember that it may shift or change or morph as we evolve. Okay. So if I just take, you know, I, I we're going to geek out on words here yeah. since, yeah, since you I write books, it. I write books. Is, I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I actually have a, I have a wall in my office where I take words that I think are really interesting and I just write them up there and I'm like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to use that, but I yeah. think that word's really interesting. So I'm, I'm geeking out on the word truth because here's where my brain goes is, well, if I'm looking at information, information, I'm going to get really like woo woo here for a moment. Information looks different based on who you are in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure. that this reality is always the same reality. There are like, you know, infinite numbers of reality of the, of the person called Mindy Pels. Right. So I have my perception that I'm using when I'm looking at the fabric of my life of that, that who I am, I can only look at things through the lens of who I am. And the fact that reality is a moving target. So what really is truth? Yeah, and I think that what's important here, too, is to distinguish the difference between fact and truth. Yeah, ooh, ooh, good. (laughs) Go for it. You know, just, you know, I think because somewhere between fact and fiction is truth. (laughs) Okay, well, that's that gets us in the ballpark, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, because I, I think things, you know, there are things that are facts that still may not ring true or may not resonate. And yeah. so we also have to be curious about how we are relating to what we hold as true. Yeah. Right. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, so truth in this scenario and in the scenario that I want to uh, like morph our, this conversation into around change mm-hmm. is Truth would mean being congruent mm-hmm. with yourself. Yeah, being in and alignment. So, yeah. Yeah. So what I just heard is that there was somewhere along your marriage, you were not being congruent with the soul no, that we call Nancy. Exactly. Yeah. And so if we were to take that, you're not being truthful and congruent to yourself. Is, is there an, how, is that inner knowing have a sense, have, has a, have a quality to it? Like you're tense all the time. You're quick to react. You're not sleeping. You're people pleasing. Like are the, all of those, um, uh, (laughs) symptoms of not being truthful to your own soul's journey? Check, 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 check. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, for me also, it was, it was, you know, I, the way I have chosen in my life to numb out is through work, workaholism. Yeah. So I, I really dove into my job. I really dove into a place where I couldn't feel anymore. I kept myself Mm. so busy. I kept Mm. myself so in service of others 
seeking external validation, chasing all the gold stars, thinking all of that external stamp of approval would resolve something inside of me. And of course, Mm. it does not. And I just want to pause and say, I know you know this, but that's so many of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the people pleasing, the peacekeeping, the conflict avoiding, (sighs) not wanting to rock the boat, all of that keeps us a distance from our truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and this is something I would say that even now in my 53-year-old journey, mm-hmm. I've been really like thinking, like coming back to what do I want? How do I want to live my life? What is my voice telling me? And in that asking that question, I realize I've never, I don't even think from the day I landed on this planet, I've asked myself that. Right. Because so many of us are oriented toward others. So we are living an other referenced life. We are we mm. have our atten- our antenna focused on what do they think? What do they need? What do they want? What do they yeah. feel? And the first invitation here really is to start tuning into what do I want? What do I need? What do I feel? What do I think? And for so many who have really been in that people pleasing peacekeeping, conflict avoiding place and overgiving, overachieving. Oh, yeah. We oh, yeah. we tend to be devoid of connection to our own needs. And in fact, you know, I'm sure many people listening can relate to what I will say. I prided myself for ages on having no needs. I am self-sufficient, I am mm. independent, I have mm. no needs. I don't need anyone to take care of me. I will do everything all by myself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that I just want to point out, those of you listening, I know so many people that listen to this podcast resonate with that, including sure. me. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's so, so, that, so that is a way to push away. Like we're pushing ourselves further away from our own soul's cries. Yes. And the more we meddle, in someone else's experience, mm. what we're really doing is lowering the volume on our own. So I don't have to deal with me because I'm going to get all up in your business. And this is really one of the one of the ways we cross our own boundaries first and foremost. We start, you know, mucking around in someone else's experience, someone else's emotions, thinking that we can somehow control their experience, and we cannot. So, I mean, I resonate so much with that. If I go back to the other word you said, that Mm -hmm. is really interesting to me is chaos. Mm -hmm. So can we look at when our life gets really chaotic, the first Mm -hmm. thing we would have to say is, okay, I created the chaos, which Mm -hmm. is something that is a huge step for a lot of people onto its own. Onto yeah. their own, but I can tell you, I've been in a, in chaotic states of my life before, with like my head in my hand, going, "I know I created this, but a why? Why would I create this this right. kind of chaos? And b How do I get myself out of it? So, if we like go back to your story where you weren't living the truth of your soul's journey, so you created chaos that allowed your ex husband to read the journal. Yep. So chaos is a catalyst? Chaos is definitely a catalyst. It definitely is a catalyst. But like I said, and we were saying at the beginning, I I think the idea is we don't want to wait for the chaos to catalyze us into action. Right, right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still muddling it. on that one, Nancy. I, I just want you to know. I know. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy because so many of us feel like we just need that push. We want to stay. We are, you know... We want to stay complacent. People fear change, change Mm. of the unknown. I think people, we fear the unknown. We want to know. If I'm going to change, Mm. I want to know what's next. And so if we don't know, right, we get Mm. get scared. But really, the unknown is where possibilities live. The unknown is Mm. where more options are available to us. And the other thing is we can always course correct. 
Well, but not in that situation. If you left your, you know, if you were wanting out of your marriage, like, of course, correcting that would have been a little more difficult. I guess you could have. Right. I mean, right. And there were many circumstances involved that had it so that there was no, um, there was no way to move for us to move forward. It took Mm -hmm. about two years. I'll tell you for me from that moment. Yes. Oh, because I was so dedicated and devoted to not wanting anyone to know the truth. And I was so devoted to being the picture perfect, you know, husband and wife. And so I did every single thing I could to, you know, keep the, keep the ball underwater. Yeah. So I, I know that there are people listening right now that are in that situation, Mm -hmm. whether it be a marriage or a job or a, you know, a house they're in or a town they live in. I mean, there's so many places in, I see in this world that we get stuck. Yeah. So once he made that phone call, once he, he left you that message and you got home, what did, what did change start to look like? Like, how did you go from that moment of what I would call an awakening yep. to being able to get yourself to where you're, you are today? Yeah. You know, so for me, it was recognizing in that moment that I had a choice. Mm. I could either go back to sleep and keep mm. pretending and stay numb and avoidant, mm. or I could buck up mm-hmm. and tell this tell myself the truth first and foremost because any betrayal so you know yes it was a betrayal of my marriage vows however it was also first and foremost a betrayal of myself yeah yeah so i had to first get true with what's really going on here and then i had to realize i this is the moment in time if I don't, if I don't choose something else now, everything will stay the same. Yeah, and yeah. so that was the moment. Do Do you think? Because people also, I'm thinking, you know, I've seen a lot of people they struggle to change in their health, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is I would say definitely a path that I've watched millions of people, mm-hmm. and they they justify where their health is at. So they're like, oh, I'm not that overweight. I'm not that sick. You know, it used to be worse. And so we justify to to allow ourselves to stay in situations that don't work. Yes. So one of the concepts in all of my work is around underlying commitments. Mm. So the way this works is whenever there is a discrepancy between what I say I want and what I'm actually experiencing, there's an old, outdated, underlying commitment in the mix. So even if it's as simple as, you know, I say I want to, you know, change my relationship to my health. But what I'm experiencing is not getting off the couch and eating shitty food, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. this or is, whatever, yeah. right? This is, yeah. re- this is the reality right. this I, is the I reality. work with every day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What we have to start looking at is the choices we're making and the actions we're taking that take us away from what we say we want okay. and that are in line with what is actually happening. So we start looking at Understanding, even though I say I want to, I want to change my relationship to my health and live a healthy life, I'm actually more committed to comfort. I'm more committed mm-hmm. to struggle. I'm more committed to whatever it might be. I'm more committed to being invisible. Mm-hmm. So we have yeah. to look at that, and that that old, outdated commitment served us when we were young. It served us in childhood at some point, or else we never would have made this promise to ourselves. Right. You know, I might have decided I'm going to commit to being invisible because that will keep me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, yeah. so we we have to honor that we made that commitment at one time, and then we have to acknowledge that commitment that we made as a child is now the seed of our self-sabotage as an adult. 
The very thing that kept us safe when we were young at one time is now pulling us down. Are are there questions you can ask yourself to get, because it's interesting, it's sort of the reverse of what I do with people when Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get them to the why they want to be happy or why Mm -hmm. they want to be healthy. It's like, Mm -hmm. give me your why. And what I've learned over the years is that you give me somebody with a big enough why to be healthy and I can get them well like that. Like mm-hmm. so, so easy. The, it, but if you give me somebody who says they want to lose weight, that says they want to be healthy, but they can't tell me why from an emotional standpoint, mm-hmm. I actually know I'm in trouble, that we are not going to move forward with that person's health. Yes. So this is where I would say I'll bring in what I have coined my transformation equation. Change equals vision plus choice plus action. Okay. So I would say the vision piece correlates with the why mm-hmm. and the and the what of what life do you envision or how do you envision your life being different if the change you make is in relationship to good health? You know, what do you envision? What becomes possible for you? What is what's available to you? It might be the why parts might be, you know, being strong and healthy to see my grandchildren or whatever it is, you know, but to really be able to hold the vision of what becomes possible when this change is made. Yeah. If you don't know that you've never been healthy, you don't know that feeling. If you've never been in in a positive, loving relationship, you don't know that feeling. So what I've, a tool I've used in my own life when I'm trying to make change and I can't get a hold of why I want to do it is I go to the opposite of it. And I think, well, what happens if you're not going to do it? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Same. Exactly. Because every single choice we make and every action we take does only one of two things, serves our vision or sabotages it. Mm. So when we're looking at the vision that we're holding You know, every choice we make is going to have consequences Mm. in one direction or another. Mm, So that's similar to what you're saying. If I make no changes, what does my life look like in five years? If I make the changes I want to make, what does my life look like in five years? So our vision, and you know, when I'm talking about vision, I like to get really, uh, I like to hone in on something specific. It doesn't have to be the vision for your whole entire life. It can just be a slice. Right. I like to take a big chunk of life and just (laughs) figure it all out. But go ahead. Right. I don't. I like a slice. (laughs) I like something that feels like manageable. So I like a slice of my vision as it relates to my health. And then being able to see the capacity expand for what's available. But then that vision becomes the gauge by which I make my choices and take my actions. Mm. So if I'm really holding around the vision or the why, like you said, then because we're making choices every single day, we're taking actions every single day that will impact our health. Every, like every minute a day, many (laughs) a day. Yeah. So to at least stay conscious to that, like mm. if I make this choice, what's going to happen? If I make that choice, what's going to happen? If I take mm. this action, am I getting closer to my vision? If I take this action, am I moving farther away from my vision? And so we get to, in each moment of choice and action, consider the vision. Let that yes. be the gauge. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking is, yeah. it, or, and I'm just... Um, you know, reflecting back to you, what I'm hearing is that where change starts is in the vision of yeah. what you want in your life. Yes. And if you, and this is where, as somebody who loves division, I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, I can get behind this now. I can think about, okay, I want, this is what I want life to look like on right. a relationship level, on a money level, on a health yep. level, like on a family level. Like I, I could easily spout off all of those. But where I think I might fall, my, my my ability to change falls apart is when on a day-to-day, if I come up against something that doesn't match my vision, 
I yep. have to first say, like, be aware that it doesn't yes. match my vision. Yes. Like having dessert at nine o'clock at night yes. doesn't match my f- vision of how I want to go into a fasted state the next day. Right. So I have to be aware of it. And then I have to make the bold choice. That's right. That I'm going to change it. That's right. And that's the thing, because so many of us are running on autopilot. So many of us live detached from our own experience. You know, we all have these avoidance strategies, many of which are food, alcohol, drugs, or work, or exercise, or shopping, or, you know, there's can be anything. Yeah. But really all that avoidant though they're all the same in that it's what do what am I what am I doing so that I can avoid feeling or dealing? Ooh. You know? Ooh. So if I'm just putting my head down into work because I don't want to feel or deal with whatever is sort of knocking at me, that is the indication of I need to take a pause. I need to address what is knocking. Mm. I need to have a look here Mm. so that I'm not just going on autopilot. And the same, you know, it's like reaching for the fridge. Mm. Stop. Pause. Pause for three minutes or five minutes. Even journal. What do I not want to feel or deal with right now that's having me want to numb out in some way? So with the fridge example, Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I have seen about food is it often is filling, it's filling an emptiness inside mm-hmm. of us. So mm-hmm. when we stand in front of the fridge and we have committed to maybe go into, I mean, I, this is so much of what I've seen with fasting. Yeah. We've committed to go into a, like a 15 hour fast. It's only 10 hours in and we're looking at the fridge and all the emptiness is coming up. Yes. And we don't have anything to feed ourselves to just quiet those empty feelings. Um, that alone can be almost too humanly difficult to handle. Yes. Depending how deep, the uh, how, how far down the hole of emptiness that goes. So yeah. what do we do in that moment? Is there, are there little like band-aid strategies if we become aware of that? Oh, wow. I want to go eat because I want to fill this void inside of me. And when I look at what the void inside of me is, it's big and I don't yeah. know how to deal with it. So so what do I do in that moment? Yes. So this is really the place where the self-connection, the self-love needs to be able to be contacted. Mm. And this is why I think about you know, the, uh, whatever practices of self-connection we have, we really need to build these muscles because as I was saying before, you know, when we're chasing something external, it's yeah. never going to fill that internal void we feel. We yeah. think food will fill it or we think, you know, work will fill it or we think shopping will fill it, but nothing's going to fill it. In fact, it will make us feel ultimately more empty or it will have us yeah. turn on ourselves. Yeah. And so- the cultivation of the relationship with ourself, I believe, is at the heart of all of this. I believe okay. we have there. to be able to rely on ourselves. And again, this can be cultivated by really listening to how am I talking to myself? Mm-hmm. How am I avoiding what feels true? How am I beating myself up? myself up? You know, what is that inner critic crawl that's just running through me at all times? And how can I begin to shift that? And so Mm. for me, what I know is I used to be someone who woke up in the morning and my first thought was, what do I need to worry about today? Oh, yeah. And everything changed when I began to shift my thinking to what is the most self-loving action I can take today? Mm. What is the most self-honoring choice I can make today? So I can begin myself with my attention on me. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. 
and we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us, is that we literally created Power Sync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Yeah. What if you don't, I mean, you still, I, I, and I'm just trying to go down to places that I, that I know so many women have been at and I, yep. and I've been there myself where it's like, sure. I don't know what that action would look like because I got this 10 different things on my schedule. People need me to show yep. up, do this, yep. this, that people need yep. me to take care of them. So I don't know what self nurturing and love would be in that on a day like that. It can, it can be small. So I'm all about micro action or micro choice. It can be it. today. I am going to spend five minutes with my coffee, looking out the window. Mm before I do anything else. Hmm. It can be yeah. that small. Yeah. And it may feel impossible at first. It may feel mm -hmm. challenging at first. And the truth is that once you give yourself a taste of that, you will want more. Mm. Okay. And I'll say two things right here because I always hear something like this around now. <laughs> so for anyone listening, for anyone listening, right? I've because got about ten here. things that my brain saying, right. but like, right. go with two. <laughs> because really, what I'm ultimately talking about is: can you give yourself permission to consider your own needs mm -hmm. at least as much as you're considering the needs of others? Baseline, mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. as much. Mm, yeah. And for those of us who have been extreme people pleasers, that is a challenge, just That's at really least hard. as much. That's then really hard. are you willing to give yourself permission to consider your needs even more than you're considering the needs of others? Ooh. And then are you willing to consider your, your needs first before you consider the needs of others? Now, nowhere in here did I say don't consider the needs of others. Mm. Just bring yourself to the forefront. And, you know, I often will hear, well, isn't that selfish? I was just going to say, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to ask that question. So I'm glad somebody else has asked it before me. But oh, yes. yeah. Isn't and it selfish? I, right. I'll tell you, I am on the bandwagon to reclaim selfish. Mm. I think selfish has gotten a really bad rap. Mm. Mm, I because love that. I... We praise and pride ourselves on being selfless. And right there in that word, no self, we disappear. Mm -hmm. And here's the deal. It's not either or. It's not we're one or the other. We mm -hmm. are both. We are every single quality. So mm -hmm. I am selfish and I am selfless. You mean and all of it. both are true. Yeah. And... Yeah. I believe selfish self-care and self-love are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. Mm. I, yeah. And the, often the next thing I'll hear is, well, I feel guilty. 
when I, I was, yep, yep. Right? I was okay. actually, one thing I was thinking is, yeah, I know those three sisters. They're not in my family. They're actually maybe right. second cousins. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. I was like, yeah, they're not my sisters. They're my cousins, yeah. those three. Yeah. I'd like yeah. to bring them into the family a little bit more. Yes. So, you know, I, I look at guilt in this context as good. Mm. Guilt is an indicator you're on the right track. Ooh. Guilt is the signal that you are paying attention to Ooh. what you need. Wow, that is that is profound because guilt is something that that is a deep uh, emotion I feel daily. Yep, and I and I yeah. and then I try to like I catch it and I go, oh. What are you feeling guilty about? I'm guilty that I'm sitting on the couch. I'm guilty that I'm not spending more time with my a, a friend or a loved one. So what, you, and, and then I try to rectify the guilt. But what you're saying is it tells you you're on the right path to taking care of yourself. To taking care of yourself. And, you know, even what you said, you know, sitting on the couch, you know, how quickly we want to beat ourselves up for, yeah. you know, I know for me, a big disowned quality of mine was lazy. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I'm not lazy. And in fact, I overcompensate by being an overachiever. Yeah. So there's no existence of lazy in me. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying about selfish, I am lazy and I'm an overachiever. Hmm. We have to own all these pieces of ourselves instead of pushing parts of ourselves away. Yeah. Yeah, and this will be a total side note on the direction of this conversation, but yeah. I have to bring it back to the surface because my own brain is curious. Sure. What's your What's your Enneagram number again? Three. I thought so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So because I, I, you know, when you talked about not wanting others to see you, you right. know, see the pain that was going behind, yeah. I was like, oh, I bet she's a three. And those of you that mm -hmm. don't know the Enneagram, we'll we'll do another episode on the Enneagram. Um, totally. But but the lazy part's really interesting. Um, because my uh, my at the core, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, um, which is required. And I'm a Libra. So mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. peace is really important right. to me. And so I have come into this place in my life where I'm like, OK, when people are upset around me, when situations are in chaos, um, there is a lot of discomfort, physical right. discomfort yes. in my body. And I think, you know, whether you know the Enneagram or not, a lot of women specifically have that is like, oh God, now if I don't go fix all these situations, I have to sit with the discomfort in my body that almost makes me want to throw up right now. Yeah, I know it very well. I lived, you know, four and a half decades of my life like that. <laughs> Yes. And a big shift came when I learned how to sit with my own discomfort, mm. that my own discomfort's not going to kill me, and mm. to hold others capable. Oh, say more about that. Yeah. You know, so I'm just going to sort of go, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning for me, which is that I, when I was born, uh, I had an older brother who had been severely disabled. Mm -hmm. And so I, aside from being, you know, born from swimming in my mother's fear, anxiety, and neurosis, mm -hmm. I also really quickly realized that his needs are more important than mine. So better I take care of my own needs. He died uh, when I was two and he was almost six. And then the imprint on me right there was if I am imperfect like he is, I will die. Oh, wow. Nancy, that's huge. Yeah, huge. And then, and my parents and I have had adult conversations about this, but then I went into this wanting to heal a grief in my parents that could never be healed. Yeah. And I expended a lot of energy wanting to heal, fix, save, and rescue. Yeah. And then fast forward to the man I ended up marrying. It was literally as if on day one, he said to me, hi, I'm broken. And I said, well, great. Oh. I'm superwoman. I will fix you. <laughs> <laughs> so many women have been there. Right? Wow. Of course. And I felt like doubled down on it because I couldn't save my brother. 
I couldn't save my parents. Mm. Well, I'm going to save you. Wow. And obviously the truth is we cannot save, fix, rescue anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened though, was that in the, the wanting and the devotion to fixing, saving and rescuing and healing, I lost myself. Mm. Mm. And yeah, that's, you know, so, so much of this. And I think especially, you know, at, at this age and stage of our lives, this is a reclaiming of our life. This Mm. is a reinvention in that we are returning to the essence of the truth of who we are before we packaged ourselves to be digestible to everyone else around us. Mm. Okay. I got so much to say on that. For starters, (laughs) I just... Um, I just want to honor your authenticity and your vulnerability and your willingness to share that um, because there will be people listening to this mm-hmm. that just are sobbing right now because mm-hmm. it's a reflection of what they've gone through. So thank mm-hmm. you for doing yes, that. Yes, of course. Um, that, that, that Here's where I go to, and I always have to look at it through the menopausal lens. Of course. And this is, this is because I am a menopausal woman, but this is p- a big premise of the book I'm writing right now is that when we look at our hormones, we have about 40 years where these hormones are up. So between like 15 to about 55, we're, we're what I call locked and loaded with our neurochemical armor. And it's not just estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, but it's also dopamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, like it's all those neurotransmitters. And I feel like now looking back at my life, that those that neurochemical armor blocked me from dealing with the truth often. Mm -hmm. And when that neurochemical armor came down somewhere in my mid forties, as it started to shed, the truth could not be held back anymore. And then I got aware recently, like in the last year that what a blessing that was and that there's another 40 years of me. There's a 53, three to to 93. I mean, I plan on living over a hundred. So there's another 40, 50 years of me without that neurochemical armor. So what if I looked at menopause as actually a redesign, a moment to redesign myself to be the woman I want to be at the back 40 years? That's what I just heard you say. Yes. Because you know, and I don't, rem- I feel like I, I feel like I talked to you about this when we talked another time, but what I've been exploring lately is that there's a part of me that knows that my teenage self had it right. I was a loner. Mm. I liked to be mm. very much on my own. I like to be with my books and my journal and mm. do things, you know, in a, in a way that just wasn't quite acceptable for my mother at that time. Mm. And you know, then I sort of went out and did all the things. And then now here I am, my 58 year old self really doubling down on how much I love to be with myself, how much Mm. I enjoy, how much, how much more I appreciate myself single than partnered, Mm. how much more, uh, I need and want the space that I can give myself. And so it's almost like this through line and and you know, sort of puberty to menopause, right? You know, these it, it fits the hormonal trajectory. One was you were coming into your hormonal, yep. uh, you know, glory, and one is you are exiting out. And this yeah. is, you know, again, you and I have chatted about this, and my audience hopefully knows this. That this is part of what I'm trying to the conversation I'm trying to crack open for women is that these hormones do dictate the way that we behave. They dictate our relationships, the decisions we make. And when they're there, they, they, we operate in one way. And when they're gone, we operate in another way. But it's the yeah. in and out of those transition points that can be really the most vulnerable for us. So talk, talk a little bit about where community, connection with other women, 
you definitely have to share some of the spiritual masters that helped you just because I, 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 I was impressed. Oh. Nobody gets counsel from some of the people you got I know. counsel well, from. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I often say I always had a front row seat and a backstage pass to all of the events I was producing at Hay House. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was in my own crisis that I was really able to absorb all the teachings. Mm. And what I also recognized is, you know, going back to me saying, you know, I wanted to uphold that image of perfection and never let them see me sweat. You know, I also learned that the people I feared revealing myself to the most were the ones who rallied around me the fiercest. And, you know, like, like I've said to you, my A team was Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Mace, Marianne Williamson, Cheryl Richardson, (laughs) Debbie Ford, Reed Tracy, you know, like these were the people who were the scaffolding around me, holding me while I rebuilt myself. I I really resonate with what you're saying, especially knowing the traits of a three, how hard that had to have been. But what does it look like to make that first step to ask somebody that you deeply respect? How do you make, what's that first step to just say, hey, like I'm hurting, I'm struggling, my my shit's falling apart here and and you're wise, I need your help. What does that first step look like? Yeah. So first, as I mentioned before, I had to admit to myself the truth that I already knew. Mm. Then I had to be willing to admit the truth to someone safe. So mm. it it didn't even begin as it it morphed for sure into asking for help, mm. which was its own hurdle at the beginning for anyone else out there who has trouble asking for help. (laughs) Um, But it had to first begin with being able to entrust something, entrust someone with something I had never shared before. Who'd you go to first? I actually, at that time, I went to Cheryl Richardson. She was a very close friend and I let her know what was happening. And I actually called her in the car as I was on my way back to my apartment after I'd heard the voicemail and she had said to me, go get yourself a, go get, go book yourself into a hotel. She knew that there was a hotel a couple blocks away from my house. She said, go book yourself at the St. Julian and then uh, go home and just know you have an exit strategy and somewhere to go. And that changed everything for me. So it was one person. It just takes one person. I literally, it started with one person. Yeah. And I, you know, it started with one person. And then the next morning, I did end up coming back to my place, seeing him, and then leaving the house that night mm. and went to the hotel. And then the next morning is when he said, uh, if, if you don't, if you're not home in a half an hour, I'm calling your parents and your sister. What was, and so what was your thought with that? I got on the phone right away and called my parents. Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd be like, well, I let did. me beat you to it. I did. And so uh, my parents, you know, they both got on the phone and I said, uh, you know, it's highly likely we'll be getting divorced. And my mom said, what happened? And I said, well, I got home last night and he read my journals and discovered I had an affair eight years ago. And my mother said, without skipping a beat, I'm so sorry you've been carrying this around all by yourself for eight years. And I will tell you that the dissolution of my marriage was the great healing with my mother. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that is fierce mother love. That it is was. mother love. I th- it, I would hope that most mothers would have that kind of response. Yep. But that is that is the fierceness of mother love. Yeah, I think that's profound. impressive. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're listening to this uh conversation obviously um, <laughs> obviously you're listening to this. Right. <laughs> um and you're stuck. And some people are going to hear this and they're stuck yeah. in marriages like yours. Mm-hmm. And some people are, are stuck in jobs and some people yeah. are stuck in health challenges. Help us understand what that first door out is, because I think we've given a lot of really interesting, you know, you can get some vision, you can take some self-care, you can find a love, you know, a loved one. 
But let's really speak to that person right now. Like, how do we help them move in a new direction and just get some momentum in a new direction? Yes. So along with visioning, you know, comes this idea of wanting and needing and desiring, which we get really uh, turned off to on some level at some point that it's not Mm. safe to want or it's greedy to want or... You know, like I was saying, I prided myself on not wanting. And there is this correlation between the wanting and the receiving. Mm. And most of us also still have this idea that life is a zero-sum game. If someone else has, I can't have. I'll go without. Or if I have, someone else will go without. And it doesn't work that way. Nope. Right? Right. So we really start... Uh, You know, I'll I'll always come back to this. Some way to connect in and contact a small, simple desire, even Mm -hmm. a small wanting, a small, a a small piece of the vision Mm -hmm. to hold in us to help us to really. It's like to help conduct us toward Mm -hmm. and away from what will move us in the direction we want to go. And this can be, you know, going back to what I was saying before, recognizing when my impulse is to go into what do they need? What do they think? What do they want to pull it back in right there? What do I need in this moment? What am I feeling in this moment? What do I want in this moment? What do I think? Just to begin pulling it back in so that we're not outsourcing our thinking. We're not outsourcing Mm. our feeling, you know, Mm. so that we really are in charge of what's happening inside of us. That Mm. has to be the beginning point to take that responsibility and not, not give it away. Because when we give away our power... You know, that's when we can go into blame and victim and all that. And we can blame someone else for why our life isn't the way we want it to be. Yeah. But the bottom line is our life isn't the way we want it to be because we have not taken the stand for ourselves in this way. Hmm. Wow. You know, I, I resonate so much with what you just said. Um, and I'm realizing that there were moments like for me in the last last year, you know, everybody, I was telling a friend the other day that everybody talked about the crisis they had in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? My emotional crisis was after the pandemic when life returned back to normal. Mm-hmm. Well, let me do yeah. air quotes. Right, right. Normal. Of right. Of and, course. you know, uh, full transparency, uh, half my clinic was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, you know, pulling them back in was hard. I had a whole, you know, new world that was emerging in my online world. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, team members had made a decision. They didn't want to live in California anymore. And so they started, they moved out and my children were out of my home. Right. And I, I was literally one day sitting on my couch crying, going, where did my life go? Yeah. What happened? And all of a sudden I realized in that moment, that I could choose what I wanted for dinner. <laughs> yes. I could choose what time I wanted dinner at. I could choose if I didn't even want dinner. Like all, I took dinner as yep. like my my North Star because so this. much about dinner was about the family. It was like, what time are the kids going to be home from from their activities? What did everybody want? Like it was so focused on everybody else. And I realized in that moment, I'm going to take back dinner. And I- yes. and, I told my husband, I was like, I don't, you're on your own for dinner. You know, this is what time I'm going to be eating dinner. Like, if you want to join me, we can chat about it. But for the most part, I'm going to own dinner for myself. I love, I love this because this is what I'm talking about. It's something micro, it's something tangible, it's something concrete. And, you know, and you get to be with all of this. You get to want something or not want something. Yeah. You know, you get to make it happen. Whereas, again, just using dinner, I use this example all the time, even in terms of wanting most women, I guarantee most women listening, if the question is posed to you, what do you want for dinner? Your response is, Mm -hmm. I don't care. What do you want? Oh, yeah. 
Right? Oh, yeah. Or how many times as, as women do we go, like, hey, let's go to lunch together. And then we're like, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Because we don't know because we haven't trained ourselves to know. Exactly. And so part of this, even on the smallest, you know, the smallest scale, that when you are asked, where do you want to eat? Or what do you want to eat? To just pause. What do I want? Mm. Do mm. I want fish? Do I want tofu? Do right. I want, you know, what am I in the mood for? And instead of outsourcing our desire to someone else. Yeah, so profound. I, I know you you all, I know your people are resonating with this because um, I've sat with so many women who can't find that center truth. So, and I, you know, honestly, Nancy, I could sit here and chat with you all day. Like at some point I'm like, oh yeah, we're on a podcast. We should probably pay attention to that. Um, so before people click off, I really want, how do, how can you help? How can your wisdom help anybody who's listening at this moment that needs to now have a North star and find their way out? Yes. The quickest and easiest thing is to go to nancylevin.com slash free, and you can download my transformation equation guide that will guide you through this way to be able to make meaningful and sustainable change. Amazing. So com slash free, and on my website, all the other goodies are there. Okay, well... That's amazing. And people still don't click off because the next question <laughs> I have for you is the one that we always finish up every episode with, but it ties into everything we've talked about here and may be really helpful for people who are needing change. And that is, um, do you have a self-love practice? I feel silly almost asking you this. Oh, <laughs> do you have I, a daily self-love practice? And I if do. so, wh what is it? And then there's a second part to this question. Okay. I really want women to start owning that what they're great at. So what's your superpower okay. that you bring to the world? Oh, okay. So um, my self-love practice uh, is actually um, fairly uh, fairly in-depth and has steps. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, go for it. This is why I was like, oh, this is going to be such a good question for her. Okay. Before I go to bed at night, I put my phone in airplane mode so I don't wake up to any notifications whatsoever. Yeah. As I'm going to sleep, I do uh, a meditation that in which I send love to a loved one. Mm -hmm. And then I have the loved one in my uh, mind's eye move aside and the love I'm sending out rebounds into me. And I'm able to take that in. And so that's how I go to sleep. When I wake up in the morning, I meditate and I journal before I ever turn my Wi-Fi back on. Wow. So the, the, the last part of my day and the first part of my day is all about me. Beautiful. Beautiful. So that... Yeah. You know, um, just it. I just want to make a comment on that. And again, because you've been with all the spiritual masters, um, Br Bruce Lipton actually taught mm -hmm. me that. Um, mm -hmm. When I interviewed him on my podcast, I asked him, okay, how do we change these subconscious patternings? And he said, you have to protect your brain and the yep. input that comes in as you go to sleep and as you come out of sleep. And I started actually researching that and realizing that you are, you know, you go from beta, we're in beta wave right now, then you go to alpha, theta, and delta when you yep. go into sleep. So there, it's those mid waves where subconscious repatterning can happen. So that's that's a brilliant routine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, uh, it's really changed so much for me. I've been doing it for many years now, and it has made a big difference. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, what's and your then, superpower? Ooh, you know, it's, it's interesting. The first superpower that comes to me and I would, and I say, would say this is so in line with everything we've been talking about today. I think my superpower is to be able to hold for myself and others what's true in the moment. So that if Ooh. you share with me something today that is true and tomorrow you share something else with me that is true. I can hold that with you. 
instead of judging you on what was true yesterday. Oh, that is good, Nancy. You are a good friend. (laughs) I do. I think that is my superpower. Oh, and I think it's a superpower we all should take on because how many times have we gone to somebody and like barfed our problems all over them and then the next day we, you know, we say something completely different and they don't know how to handle those two things because they may be in opposition. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, I... I know you know this, but I am sure whether it was through the conscious or the subconscious, being in charge of all those events, even though you were probably in a high beta state, like trying to make sure the event didn't fall apart, um, you absorbed a hell of a lot of wisdom. (laughs) That's what I I just learned today. Yeah, I really did. I mean, I feel so, it was my dream job until, until I knew I needed to make a shift. But it yeah. was it was everything to me. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm just wanna how do people find you? You you have this incredible free quiz, like, but how yep. do people find you if they want to yeah. dive into your work? Sure. My uh my website, nancylevin.com. And if you just add the slash free, you'll be able to download my transformation equation guide. Everything's on my website, social media, my podcast, my training academy, all the things. Amazing. Well, thank you. You know, I think it, I think it's one thing to go through painful moments in your life and, and come out victorious. And then it's another thing to go through painful moments in your life, come out victorious and want to turn around and teach others. Mm. And, uh, you know, in my heart, I call that from pain to purpose. And you are a living example of that. So thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to us today. This was a real delight. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.